Wanna go, pretty boy? Two minutes by yourself and you feel shame, you know, and then you get free. The only thing better than a glass of beer is tea with Miss McGill. And welcome to the Fourth Line Voice Podcast. My name is Darren. Thank you very much for tuning in. Episode 66 of the big show. Some enforcer-based podcasting coming at you. Brought to you by the Hockey Podcast Network. How's everybody doing? What's happening out there? Another Sunday? Crazy time. Santa's around the corner. Almost here. Everybody done their shopping? A little different this year, I know. We'll get through it, folks. We will. Trust me, we will. But, here we are. Another Sunday potpourri show. General musings. Really, we'll throw it against the wall and we'll see what sticks is what it's going to be. We're going to talk about some hockey cultures. Don Cherry. Some tape trading stories. An idea from Joe. That's where I got that idea from. Um, we're going to talk about the league selling the player personalities, which I got from another show. I'm basically, I'm stealing everyone's ideas today. And then I'm going to talk a, a curious case of an ex-Montreal, an ex-St. Louis Blue player, played 27 NHL games back in the mid-80s. Normad Barron. If you're saying what I'm saying, who? Exactly. Um, it's an interesting tale. I'm going to read you a little article. I didn't know anything about this guy. I still don't really know it. Well, after reading this, I know a little bit, but I don't know much about him. And I've only seen a couple couple incidents. I'll get into why I'm talking about him shortly. But how's everybody doing out there? Of course, this is episode 66, meaning there's 65 other episodes for you to go back to. And every Wednesday, I like to do an interview show, whether it be with an ex-player, fight fan, what have you. There's someone else on the show with me. And then Sunday is this show, whatever <laughs> whatever this is. But last this past Wednesday, I had Mike Haley on, uh, the former Spokane chief. He was a great guest. Had a lot of fun talking to him. Um, and what a story. Um, real perseverance, um, overcoming so much. Um, solid junior career. And then he was able to walk away from the game under on, on his, by his choice, um, which seldom ha- happens in the game of hockey. And uh, has gone on, had a had a great career and life away from hockey, and uh, yeah, and it was fun to talk to. And I know he was he was really excited to hear how the interview turned out, and then was happy the way the, how it turned out. Um, I know he had a number of he told me he had, you know his family listened, he had lots of friends and ex teammates that listened, so that was cool. And uh, it was funny. I went on uh, Chartables, um, which tracks download numbers on all the. Well, on every podcast, but you can break it down to you know hockey and or whatever. And um, um, I, you know, I'm I'm I don't know how much, how ac- truly accurate the numbers are, but it does give you a very uh, a very good insight on you know where you stand in terms of a show and what have you. And I, I believe it's uh, it's updated daily. 
I believe. And uh, anyway, the day the episode came out and stuff, and I went and looked, and it was uh, uh, a fourth line voice uh, with Mike Haley uh, was thirtieth in Canada. So in terms of hockey podcasts, so I took a screenshot of it and sent it to Mike. And I said, "You told him you told him he was rating his gold," but. Um, the, uh, the the Haley clan really boosted my numbers, but uh, no, so that was cool. And uh, and like somebody said, oh, you're thirtieth, and I'm like, I'm not thirtieth. Mike Haley's thirtieth. No one's tuning in to listen to me. Now if this episode, today's episode, goes to thirty. Okay, that was me, but I can guarantee you it's not going to. But uh, no, the fact that it was on there, and uh, and it also just um, I want to thank you guys for doing that. And uh, you know my the I mean I'm sure I had a lot of one time listeners. Um, but also, I know I do have uh, quite a few regular listeners, and uh, I always like I always say thank you guys. And uh, please uh, get a hold of me on Twitter, Fourth Line Voice on Twitter. If you're not on Twitter, hockeyfights at hotmail.com. That's right, I still have a hotmail account, but it's hockeyfights at hotmail. How do I get rid of that? You know, I've had it for probably since I got on the internet. So actually, pretty much yeah, since I got on the internet and started sending emails. So um, yeah. Hockeyfights at hotmail.com if you ever want to email me about something. If you have an old, if you found an old VHS tape in the attic and you blew the dust off and it's like, oh, these are the games I taped or the local junior team when I taped them, please let me know. I want that tape. Trust me. I want that tape. And there's people that want to see that tape. So don't throw it away. Give it to me. I'll put it on DVD and send it back to you if you really want it back. Well, if it was collecting dust up in your attic, clearly you didn't really give a shit about it anyway. So don't throw it out. I'll take it. Or if you have any hockey pitchers out there, hockey fight pitchers, again, email them to me. I love collecting that stuff. Or if you're looking for a hockey fight pitcher, drop me an email. I can hook you up. I have literally thousands, thousands of pitchers of, of uh, tough guys. So, yes. Let me know. I can send you over an email of a high-res pitcher. Print it out. You can put it up on your man cave or it. Wherever you want to put your up in your office, I don't know whatever you're doing with these pictures, but they print out great. Frame them, throw them up. Let me know. Hockeyfights at hotmail.com. Yes. Also on YouTube, Fourth Line Voice on YouTube. Subscribe to the channel. That way, you hit the notifications. That way, the moment I put up a fight, you'll you'll know about it. You won't miss a single punch. Just last night, actually, I was spinning a her old eighty. What is it? Eighty six, eighty seven Hershey Bears DVD. And I put a bunch of Barubi fights up. Yeah, including his very first pro fight against Dwight Schofield uh, Baltimore, in Baltimore. What else did I put up? Oh, I put up Tony Twist, kind of ragdolling Chris McRae in the IHL. Did I put up a chase fight from Peoria? I might have last night, but I put up some Barubi stuff. I put up about six or seven fights up. And I'll do that. I try to do that throughout the week. At least once a week, put up some stuff. And like I said, I always try to put up uh, kind of rare stuff rare stuff in terms of uh, you know a junior on minor like I mean everyone's seen Twist versus Ray why, why would I upload that um, but I, I can guarantee no one's seen Twist or Chris McCre- versus Chris McRae and so I try to uh, you know and like Baruby's first pro fight and stuff like that try to get some um, just different stuff for when they're in junior and the minors and I do have NHL stuff up on my channel as well but um I try to I try to do a few things different anyway, and try to put up stuff that people have never seen. So uh, yeah, subscribe to the channel, check it out, and uh, yeah. Well, hey, while we're into it, like I said, we're on the Hockey Podcast Network. There's uh, 
40 other shows on the network for you to check out. Uh, all the NHL teams are represented, so whatever team you're a fan of, tune in to their show. And, uh, you know, with the NHL about to start, I mean, obviously those uh, podcasts will be kicking into full gear here right away. And, uh, yeah. And, uh, of course, there's also Terry Ryan's on the network and uh, Brad Lieb, uh, former players. And, um, yeah, so you know TR out there uh, doing his big book tour right now. Film, or no, Fights, Film, and Folklore is the name of the book. Um, I ordered mine. It's on the way. I hope it's on the way, Terry. You know, I'm, hopefully it's here by Christmas. But um, look forward to reading that. If it's, like I always say, if it's half as good as his first one, it's going to be, it'll be awesome because his first book is tremendous. Tales of a First Round Nothing. Honestly, if you haven't read it, one of the best hockey books I've ever read. Very good. TR is a hell of a storyteller. And then for my off-network friends, Joe over at the Coliseum Chronicles, keeping it real with the, on the island with the uh, long with the Long Island with the New York Islanders podcast um, with the tough guys. And he's had like Fakoda and Ewan and Bolton and Strudwig and Aaron Asham, and Joe does a great job. And he does um, seasons episode where he breaks down a fight like a season for a guy. And uh, I know his latest episode is a general musings episode which I enjoyed listening to and I completely stole one of his ideas um, not stole but exp- I'm going to expand upon um, my and, and share my uh, uh, experience with the tape trading uh, hobby um, but no Joe just does a great job he's got he's selling the merch so Joe's got Joe's got a real empire out there on the island so check him out good dude like I said sent me about a package. I, I got a hernia from lifting this friggin' package that he sent me. Um, about eight million friggin' pictures that were tremendous. I'm still sorting them. Love it. And uh, yeah, I got. I don't worry, Joe. I got you. I'm gonna hook you up. I'm not even gonna ask for that Kaminsky Kerry Clark poster back now. <laughs> I got some stuff for you after the silly season's done. Here, we'll send it to you. I have to. I still have to go to the mall though. There's something I need to get for you. And same with Jay out there in Finland. I haven't, for, I haven't forgotten about you guys. You just got to give me some time here. I got shit going everywhere. In fact, I was at the post office today, and I laughed because the guy... I'm in the post office all the time. And lately, it seems anyway, I'm sending stuff out. and I wonder if Taylor's getting his package sent to... Oh, I, I got... Folks, I'm busier than a one-legged waitress at the IHOP, I'm telling you. But, between work and trying to give you guys some audio pleasure, I got shit to do. That's why I took. To, that's why I've been taking Fridays off. Actually, I was. I, I, shit, I was at the. I was friggin' at the post office this morning at eight thirty. Um, but I dropped a package on the guy. Look at the guy. Same dude's working. Uh, and he looks. He goes, Jeff Odgers. You know Jeff, the hockey player. And I was like, Yeah. You know Jeff Odgers. I'm like, Well, I had him on my podcast, and I've talked to him and, and his son Dakota. They've had them both on. You have a podcast. He goes, Is this with that fourth line voice businesses? all about and I'm like yeah that's it because I laugh because the same guys are there all the time when I go in they're like the the one other guy's what's this fourth line business so I had to tell them oh I'm going to listen to your show I'm like "Eh, okay you might for a couple of minutes and then shut it I said don't listen to it with the speakers out here I can tell you that don't listen to it at work but uh, maybe listen to it with headphones on but uh, no the boys at the old Saskatoon post office if you're listening thank you for tuning in Um, you guys do a hell of a job.
I mean, you know, as, as, as fellow government workers, I know we all take the slings and arrows from the public, and I'm not saying they're not deserved sometimes. But in terms of our post office, I mean, I don't know. I said in all my life of tape trading and sending everything and sending stuff, which has been hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of packages these days or over the years, only one has ever gone missing. And at that point, I don't know if it really went missing or if it wasn't taken off my doorstep. I don't know. Needless to say, there's now a camera installed there. So, because um, it was in the summer last, was it last year? Yeah, last year. And here at the condo, and there was a lot of, uh, we had a lot of folks, a lot of uh, construction guys, and just a lot of traffic in the, in the because it's sort of a gated area that you have to come in. And we just had a lot of contractors and workers walking around and blah, blah, blah. Not accusing anybody, I'm just saying, sitting out in the doorstep, a lot of people walking by, eh, more than usual, just saying. But, or else it could have legitimately got lost in the mail. I will say, the one thing I've, around here, um, they, they labeled the buildings, really, like everyone's got their own separate deal, but the addresses are so stupid, and it's like, I don't know, so I, it gets really confusing, like you, sh- you look out your window at like 6 o'clock, I, there's literally like, Friggin' skip the dishes drivers just wandering around staring you know it looks honestly we laughed one day not a word of a lie and uh, it was a couple weeks ago um we were yeah it was when we were putting up the christmas lights in the deck because that's why we were standing outside we were on the deck putting the christmas lights up and we looked and there was literally like three fucking skip the dishes people like wandering through the courtyard like looking at buildings and stuff so yeah now they labeled us so stupid so i mean i've gotten other people's mail and shit like that, and it makes you wonder, like, uh, how many people around here are getting my mail and, like, not delivering it, because there's a few assholes around here that might do that. Anyway, what am I talking about? Like I said, folks, I'm, I'm rambling. My day off, I'm happy. I'm, I'm rambling here. Oh, Joe, I'm talking about Joe's package. Probably want me to say it's sturdy. <laughs> what? <laughs> oh, yeah. The Joe's Podcast, Coliseum Chronicles, check it out. Alec, over at the Five for Fighting Podcast, he's back in business. Back in the saddle, he just had Frank Littlejohn on. Tremendous interview. So check that out. Alex does good work. I'm glad he's back back at it. Um, he had a, had a tough couple months here. Get Dude's getting married in less than a week. Yes, he managed to con some, young na- some nice young lady into... Walking down the aisle. Well, I guess she hasn't walked down the aisle yet. We'll see. We'll see how it turns out. <laughs> we'll know by next Sunday. I'll let you know. <laughs> no, congratulations. All oh, serious. Congratulations to them both. And, uh, so Alec is a good dude. And, uh, wishing the best. As well, other podcasts. Of course, the Obey the Puck Show. Dan, Paul, and Kelly. They do a great job. And, of course, Fred and Dave over at the Slewfoot Show. I know, that's what I would say, a couple current shows. You guys like to think I'm not in touch? I touch those people a little bit. Oh, I'm getting, we're getting froggy over here. Silly. I, 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 I don't watch hockey, but I do stay somewhat informed. Or at least informed according to those people, because that's who I'm listening to. And then if you want to get into some heavy metal, you want to like, get some obscure heavy metal? Hold on, I'm hitting the microphone here. Heavy metal and hockey fights, they kind of go together. Nick, I've had Nick on the show. He does a metal antiquities show. So check that out. 
you want to hear about the backups, backup, backup singer of Black Sabbath and when they toured the UK? Tune in. Nick will tell you. As a musician. And into the old vinyl. Some obscure stuff. See, I can appreciate that. Uh, I'm not a huge music guy. I like my... I kind of like everything. But in terms of like rare stuff or the B-side, the deep cuts, that's what Nick and his partner over there are doing. And uh, so I can appreciate that because that's what I kind of like to do on my show. And, uh, you know, everybody could talk about the current stuff and blah, blah, blah. But not many people do the history of or or check, you know, the obscure stories or, you know, on the fringe elements of whatever the genre may be. So I can appreciate what Nick's doing over there. So check that out. What are we going to do here? What should I talk about first? Oh, <laughs> I will say, I noticed yesterday... Hockey Fights, my former sponsors over there, old at HockeyFights.com, tweeted out a picture of Lucic popping that Columbus guy last year. Was it last year or the year before? Whatever the hell it was. And it was they kind of did a little mocking video, and they're like, oh, PSA, don't mess with the goalie when Lucic is on the ice or whatever. And a bunch of people commented, oh, this fucking one guy. Oh, oh look at all the mouth breathers and their replies. Just so everyone knows, Lucic never helped his team because he got a Susie for that. Okay. First of all, buddy, you sound like the biggest fucking poser imaginable. A Susie? Like, are you just, you're trying so hard to be a bisonette. Are you trying to get up, like, do you think they're going to read that and, I like the cut of this guy's jib, let's get him on spit and chiglets. He's barstool material. Like, you're just, you're a fucking goof. These fucking guys, and it's like, I don't know, it's this army of these people that listen to Spit and Chiglets, these frat boys, that just, either that, and they watch, like, Letter Kenny, and they're trying to be Riley and Jonesy. You do not realize that those guys are playing fucking characters on a TV show. They're exaggerated characters. Nobody talks like that. And if you do, you're a fucking idiot i.e. the point of their characters. Do you notice how everyone else treats them? All the normal people, how they treat them? Yeah, like morons. But yet, here you are. Silly bro. You know, like... Fuck, you... Like, what are you doing here? You know? You you play for the leisure hot tub fucking jet stream of the fucking Division F in the Adult Safe League. But you're out here talking, oh, we're out here, sweet sellies, bro, and, oh, fuck, you posers. Like, just stop. Or the worst is when it's, like, some 45-year-old trying to, I said it's, like, the 50-year-old at, at the office wearing, like, fucking skinny jeans. It's like, oh, my God. But, I, oh, it's it's this fucking just this poser culture. Like, they, they, yeah, it's like, okay, I know you're sitting there doing shots of Pink Whitney and, you know, and I'm not knocking Wit and Biz and those guys. I like those guys, but it's like, yeah, and it's not there. It's not them, but I mean, like, I know they might use different phrases and stuff. But Paul Bissonette doesn't walk around in everyday conversation talking about Susies and Sallies. Like, fuck, get a clue. Oh my, oh my god. But you, you mouth breathers. I was gonna ask him. So, what do you call uh, fucking posers that use fucking ridiculous? fucking hockey slang <laughs> yeah, I don't know it just it just made me laugh oh, you got Susie for that oh fuck 
Okay. So P- that's my PSA. Don't use friggin' hockey slang when you've fucking never played hockey. You look like a fucking idiot. Well, well I guess that sort of leads me into this whole <clears throat> hockey culture debate. Um, well, it's not even a debate, but <clears throat> I noticed, especially on social media, there's a lot of folks that like to throw around hockey culture and how hockey culture needs to change. I've talked about this before, and I get it in terms of there are things in the game that needed to change within the game, the hazing and that type of stuff. I was never a hazing guy that was in any sport. It always seemed ridiculous to me. Now, busting on the rookies and taking them out to have a couple drinks and, you know, having a you know having a little fun. Like in baseball, like when they make them dress up and walk to the bullpen. It's like, you know, whatever. Like, that's all for just laughs. Of course, some you know, this is why they need to change things. And uh, no. See, it's people like that that are crying about shit like this. They have no fucking clue about hockey culture. Because you bought the center ice package or jerseys or you go to games or you have a podcast. Unless you've been in the locker room and been around the guys and played, gone th- gone through the practices, the battles, you don't know what hockey culture is. So stop commenting on hockey culture. I laugh on social media. Oh yeah, no, this is why the NHL is never going to grow and this is why hockey continues to be racist and sexist and and I look and it's some fucking pale white fucking 18 year old with a fucking toucan and a pitcher in the, on a fucking deck in June drinking his fucking white claw. Doesn't have a goddamn, doesn't know shit from apple butter about fucking hockey culture. Outside of his fucking team that he built on the Xbox. But oh, this is what the NHL needs to do, and blah, 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 and oh, fuck. Oh, and then Don Cherry, oh, he's a he's this and he's that. I'm, I'm so glad we got rid of him. Oh, yeah, you, yeah, you from your fucking couch. Yeah, of your fucking, you know, your one-bedroom basement suite. Yeah, no, you're changing the world, Junior. You know, practicing your fucking recreational outrage. Oh, God. Hockey culture. You know. And I'm not saying I can comment on it. That's why I mentioned podcasts. What the fuck am I going to talk about hockey culture for? I'm not in a bloody locker room. <coughs> I don't know. I mean, I grew up around hockey. I, my brother played. I have millions of friends that played. I've been in locker rooms and for other sports that I played. So, I mean, I get a sporting culture. I've been around it. been in many dugouts and locker rooms. So, I've been at the 6 a.m. practices. So, I know what... And, and I've played hurt. I know what it's like to go through that in terms of in other sports. So, I can comment on that. But I'm not going to comment on hockey culture and oh, what the OHL should do or the Western Hockey League or the NHL. How would I know? Much like Idiot with His White Claw and His Toucan June, what does he know? But just because you have a podcast that maybe a few people listen to, all of a sudden, some of these fucking idiots think... Oh, now, now they're in the know. So you have a lot of unqualified people talking like they know, and until you've done it, you don't know. But boy, they could sure use that has that hashtag, and then that and then that's the problem. These same, like I said, these same goofs that sit there. Now that I think about actually that, I, yeah, maybe they did change. They changed things because that's unfortunately who the league listens to of these un- uneducated vocal minority on social media 
that like to practice their outrage, and they all get together, and, oh, yeah, 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 no, they do this, and they need to do this, and oh, blah, 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 blah. And it starts trending, and the league folds to them, or whoever, the powers to be fold to them. Like I said, don't bother. Wait ten minutes, they'll get on to something else. Squirrel. Yeah, you know. And it's just, yeah, this whole hockey culture thing. And, and like I said, again, I'm not saying nothing in the game has to change. Or nothing in society has to change. We're, of course, change, there's, there's nothing wrong with change. But what are we changing for? What's the reason for it? To, and to for what? And who's initiating this change? And for why? What agenda do they have? Or what? No, no. What's? Where's the knowledge for the change coming from? Maybe that's maybe that's more like it. But yeah, I mean, it's. It, but it's like with all of this now, and it's like the same. Well, like yeah, I can may as well talk now with the analytics stuff, with the big push in analytics now. Well, analytics has been around for a long time. I like all these young guys. They like the. That's. I guess every generation's like that. But oh, look, more packages. There's the doorbell. Hold on. Well, there we go. Yes. Sorry about that. Had to go get the package from the front door. The new computer is here. Yes, where was I? Ranting and raving about. Yeah, the, sal- the analytics community. Well, I was good, like I said. Um, yeah, I guess every generation does it, but these... They always... They always think they're going to change the world. Like, they're coming up with new shit. Like, with these analytics. Oh, this is all new stuff. Well... There's always there's been analytics for years. Now, if you just expanded upon it, created your own little math problems to come up with all your fucking fandangle shit, you know. And for the most part, like I said, it's it's a bunch of. I don't have any problem with analytics. I'm not a fucking poo poo the numbers guy. I'm not. I don't. I. They're they're okay. Like I said, they're another tool to use. I know teams use them, you know. <clears throat> okay, but if you're if you're trying to build a team based on numbers, it's not going to work, as, well, as been indicated or as shown. But because um, there, are, to me, there's just a lots of things that, and like I said, and then these analytic guys <clears throat> will sit and they'll argue till they're blue in the face. I always laugh because the <coughs> the analytics community always say, oh, the old boys will never accept that. Once they're gone, then we'll be accepted, blah, blah, blah. And then the old guys, like me or whatever, they were like, oh, fuck these nerds and their calculators. Okay, well, I'm, well I'm, I should, I'm not in that fuck the nerds and their calculators. Well, their attitude I am. And as it's gone on... Um, in terms of just what I see, in terms of social media and the banter between the the two camps, really, um, the analytics guys, in my opinion, are far more aggressive and uh, dismissive of hockey in general. And anything before 2010 is roll your eyes, old man yells at clouds. They they don't get it. Stuck in the past. And don't even mention Don Cherry or Brian Burke or something. Then it's like, oh my god, mom, what do they know? I said, it's like being at work, and you've worked at this place for 20 years. You know the job inside and out. You started at the bottom. You've worked, you know, whatever. And then 
the fucking kid right out of university with his degree comes in and he's going to change the world and he doesn't know anything about what goes on there but he read about it in a book so he's going to tell you how to fix everything and then it just gets fucked up because he doesn't know as much as he thinks he's not as smart as he thinks he is not to say that that kid doesn't have good ideas but at the same time you have to recognize the past see what works and you build on what works. Don't just completely dismiss it for this, oh, this new way of thinking. The new math. Well, 2 plus 2 is always going to equal 4. I don't care how many letters, or how many words, or how, many, how much work you have to show to get there, and how many circles you're going to go around. It's always going to come back to 4. It's the same thing with analytics. The size of the rink hasn't changed. The size of the nets haven't changed. It's still five on five, and you got to put it in more than you, and then try, and try to keep it out. It hasn't changed in 125 years. So as much as you like to think it has, and you're going to revolutionize the game, you have to recognize history. And I think that gets lost on a lot of these new generation. Like I always say, they they want to just yell at old man, yell at the clouds, and they don't get it and whatever. I think on the other hand, you have a lot of people that resent. I think. As much as the analytic guys want to be involved in the game, they resent the game. Or they resent those involved in it. Because they weren't a part of it. It's like they wouldn't they weren't allowed to play in the reindeer games, right? You were picked last every recess. You were never a good athlete. And you never played at that level. But this is a way to be involved in the game. I get that. Sure. This is your chance to be involved. But at the same time, it's also my chance. Oh, I'm the fucking guys who stuffed me in the locker, now I'm going to show them. Right? Metaphorically speaking. You know? And, and that, that seems to be... not Again, I'm not paintbrushing, oh, every analytics person's bitter like this. No. But the ones I see on Facebook, or Facebook, on Twitter sure are. And they're very... They're, they're fucking arrogant. And, it, and it's just... <clears throat> I'm not sure who you're fighting. And I think there has to be... As much as you keep saying, oh, the, you have to recognize us and what the numbers do and whatever. Okay. But at the same time, I think the, the numbers guys need to recognize you can't measure everything. Not everything is a stat. And stats can be manipulated into any argument you're trying to make. Whatever your argument is, you can make the numbers work for you. But there are things that you can't measure. And yes, there is intensity and heart and jam. Those things will never... and locker room presence. They always like to laugh. I notice when a when a tough guy is signed or like when a Mike Haley signed with Ottawa and they're like, oh, we like what the grit that he brings and, and he's a locker room guy. I'm like, oh yeah, locker room guy. Oh, fuck, I roll. See right there, see when you say shit like that, that is how I know you don't know what the fuck you're talking about when you say stupid shit like that. Oh, another locker room guy, air quotes, and an eye roll emoji. Fuck you. Because you don't know. You don't know. And there's other guys. I never understood why this guy made it. He had all the intangible. Blah, 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 blah. You want to know why he didn't make it? Because he wasn't a fucking locker room guy. And no one liked him. I'm going to get into personalities here in a second. There's a reason why this guy's been traded three times. And he's supposedly great. Oh, is he? Sure gets traded for a bunch of nothing a lot. Why is that? And there are guys that never made it. Because they had all the talent in the world. They had Hall of Fame talent. But they had a five cent head. So when I see these people 
dismiss character, I know then you don't know what you're talking about. You can give me all the stats you want. Oh, zone entries and first passes and shot suppression and uh, fuck, how fast he skates in the eastern time zone. Fuck, whatever. That's all great. But if you can't fucking get along, he ain't gonna get along. You know? So, anyway. That's where I stand on analytics. Again, analytics are like a... Analytics are like a bikini. Shows you a lot, but not everything. Yeah. Anyway. Don Cherry. Just a little Don Cherry thing that I saw. It was funny. Some, somebody said last year, Hockey Night in Canada had its worst ratings ever for the playoffs. <laughs> and Don Cherry got voted like Hockey Podcast of the Year. Oh, the irony. Anyway. But hell, like I said, hockey culture, we gotta, we need to get rid of them. And, and, you listen, and that's who you listen to. The very people that fucking stream it illegally or watch it on Hulu or whatever. They're not even watching hockey, but they have a lot to say about something they don't even watch. I've never watched Coach's Corner, but he has to go. Well, if you've never watched it, what the fuck do you care for then? So again, you don't watch it. Well, then how do you know what he says? Oh, he's all these things. Well, if you don't watch it, how do you know? Well, I read, I heard. Oh, who did you hear it from? Some other fucking dipshit that doesn't watch or listen either. Who are we listening to here? Oh, it's the bloody blind leading the blind. Oh, I heard. Oh, you heard. Oh, okay. Well, you heard then. Now, do I agree with everything Don Cherry's ever said? No. Do I think some of his shit was out of line? Yes. I'm a reasonable person. Is he a racist? I don't think so. What's the other one? Xenophobe. I like that one. Well, I've always said, he doesn't hate Russian people or French people. He doesn't like their style of play, is what he's talking about. Like when you say soft Europeans. So you're always making fun of Europeans, he's racist. No. He's making fun of your of the chicken shit player. He's shit on Canadian players constantly. He yelled at Crosby when he was a rookie for diving. Confronted him about it. He st- stood up for Ovechkin. He yelled at NHL.com for not putting a Melkin in the top 100 players of all time. It's the style of play he gets mad at. It's not, oh, he just hates Russian people and he hates all French people. Now, is he the white, old, rich guy? Yeah. Does that mean I... But Yeah, I'm not going to get... I'm not going to get into politics. But uh, I'm so tired of politics being linked into everything. Like we were talking, like I said, I tweeted about it. We're talking at work about safety measures. And, and this fucking goof starts talking about fucking COVID and Trudeau and whatever. Well, we're talking about wearing harnesses on a fucking scaffold. What are you talking about? Like, oh, it's the libs. Oh, shut up. You know, I literally got up and just, I looked, I'm like, are we done talking about what we're, well, yeah. And I'm like, because I'm not. I'm not listening to stupid. So, and I left. A bunch of us did. I'm not sitting there listening to that. So I'm not going to subject you to that stuff. I find left and right extremism moronic. So, I'm not giving you a political side that I'm on. I'm not on a side. I always say I'm in the middle. Where common sense used to live. So that's that's the poli- that's that's as deep politically as I'm going to get. I hate Don Cherry because he's a said something about Trump. No, I don't hate Don Cherry for that. 
like I said, everyone's entitled to their opinion. When you go overboard about certain things or start talking stupid and lying or buying into Cousin Ralph's Facebook page, well, then I might have an issue with you or roll my eyes or at least just not engage with you. But as far as I know, Don Cherry didn't do that. So, again, I could disagree. I've Over many, many decades, I have, I have not agreed with everything Don Cherry has ever said. Much like... I have people that listen to this podcast all the time that don't agree with everything I say. I don't agree with everything they tweet. That doesn't mean I hate them or I block them. There's a few diehards that started talking stupid that I've muted over the years, but I don't hate them as people. I might question their mentality at this point on a few a few folks, but I don't hate people. So yes, it's um yeah, it's just a weird time. But yeah, like I said, every, everything, politics getting injected into every other facet of life is getting very annoying. Well, not getting, it is annoying. And I think and social media has, done a, has been a big um, transporter of that, has been a big tool. Like I said, it's a, face, it's a megaphone for stupidity, Facebook and Twitter. So, and that's, as much as I've enjoyed the mediums and I like using them, why don't use Facebook? I'm, I have a Facebook profile, but I don't. I barely use it because, like I said, I've mentioned it on here a few times. I've read, I've scrolled my news feed in about eighty, 80 about uh, thirty-two seconds in. I'm about ready to fucking throw my phone across the room, wondering why I'm friends with some of these people. Uh, and same on Twitter. On Twitter, I've I've learned to not scroll too much. So, um, but as but I do. In, on the other hand, it has brought me. Um, Many great conversations, um, pictures, videos. Um, I've air quote met. Well, I've met people offline too, but uh, I always say our sort of little fight community that I've had, um, not just through the show, but just through Twitter on growing the account. Um, you know, Alec, Joe, Dr. Chris, um, Farmer Rob, Steve, Dave, um, Dan, all those. Um, I'm. Uh, you know, um, just because I didn't call out your name doesn't, I'm not thinking about, you know what, I'm, I can't name everyone, but, and the players. Uh, so in that sense, I can't completely dismiss um, social media because if I did, those people wouldn't be in my life. And that, and that wouldn't be good either. So, um, like, I guess with everything in life, right, there's pros and cons. So, yeah, sorry guys, I'm kind of jumping all over here with the Don Cherry thing and hockey culture and everything else, but um, yeah, well, again, tying into everything, um, um, an, a show on the network called the Broadway boys, they're, uh, it's a New York Rangers show. Um, I was listening to their, uh, show in the truck and one of the topics they had talked about was, uh, the NHL, um, and player personalities and how the league doesn't do they, or do they not, um, you know, sell the player's personality and that, <clears throat> that, that type of thing. And they had some interesting points, and it was, um, I'm not sure the ages of these guys. Um, I'm assuming they're younger. Um, and I've seen this a lot. And, uh, again, I guess this is where, I guess, I'm not my age, because I'm not everyone my age agrees with this, but my personal feeling on it, um, as much as I enjoy, like, a, a, the, uh, the, a mic'd up or, uh, you know, NFL films and that type of thing, um, as much as I enjoy that, at the same time, 
I guess I guess from a, a mic'd up standpoint because that's gameplay. So that's just what's going on in the game. So it's a real thing. It's um, organic. Um, you know, and I'm not talking. Oh, and they mic up so and so at the at the All Star game, and he goes around and you know some slapstick and you know and, and shit like that. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking like the outdoor class when they the outdoor winter classic games or whatever when they showed leading up to the to the big outdoor game and they showed the guys in the like you're talking real game shit this is what goes on day in and day out that type of stuff i like i could give two fucks about oh we're going to go to tyler sagan's house and he's going to show us around the the vineyard i don't care it doesn't matter to me now some people like it whatever i'm not i'm just saying that i'm doing it from my point of view I've never gave a shit about anything like that. I don't care. I'm interested in what happens at the game, why they did that, or like what the emotion was during the game. I like that type of thing. I don't care that he likes to go to the organic market on Sundays, driving his vintage VW car. Whatever. Now, if somebody wants to watch it, I don't care. I'm just saying I never cared. But these people that put so much stock into this shit, it's like, can you not? It's like, can you not just enjoy the game? That's the one thing I've always said about the surge that the hurricanes do. Why? Why? I, I don't. I don't get it. You look like buffoons. And again, oh, you must hate fun then. Oh yeah, that's what I do. I hate fun. You know what the fun is? Fucking winning. That's what's fun. Now, if my nephew's peewee team wants to do that after a game, I'm all for it. But when professional teams are doing it, no. Like I said, the word professional. Fucking act like it. Be professional. Why does everything have to have a peewee attachment to it? Now, if you want to be goofs and act like idiots or it's all funsy onesie during the All Star game, of course. That's what that's for. But no, we don't need to play duck duck goose after a professional game. Do you see any other professional sport doing that? No. That's what I would say with the storm surge. If it's so fun, hip, and cool, how come the thirty-one other teams don't do it? I'll answer that question. Do you know why? Because it's stupid. Every ex player I've talked to. Moronic. If I was on a team that did that, I would ask to be traded. I heard a few times. Or they just, if I was on that team, no, it wouldn't be happening. So you can, I don't know what the main deal is. That's not fun. Yeah, again, you're the one wearing the two conjume with the white claw. I don't really give a fuck what you have to say about hockey culture and what they should be doing. It looks moronic. So, and having said that, player personality. Well, why don't these guys do that? Why don't they do that? Well, P.K. Subban does that, and that's why the league should market him. Yeah, okay, and it's too bad Crosby's so boring. Blah, 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 blah. Why are all hockey players boring? Oh, that's because it's in the DNA of the game and blah, blah, blah. Well, first of all, I can tell you one thing. Oh, why don't they just act like they normally do and whatever? Because you can't anymore. Because these same assholes that cry that, oh, these players are so boring and they don't do anything and why can't they just do this? Well, the moment those players do that, you want to cancel them because they said something that offended you. 
Now, I'm not saying some guy has to go on some racist rant. No, that's not what I'm talking about. But holy shit, you do anything these days, and you're getting cancelled. Look at all the bullshit that's going on in Vancouver over a goalie mask. And he did it to honor the culture. But oh no, it was racist. Oh yeah, that's why he did it, to be racist. The new guy showed up in Vancouver and thought, oh, I'm going to really get them. Yeah, no, so why don't the players show any personality? Gee, I wonder why. Because these same fucking bozos that cry, the hockey's so boring, and that's why it's never going to grow. None of these players have any personality. Oh, the moment they show some personality, oh, well, we've got to cancel them now. Oh, he said this, but you know what he really meant. Oh, yeah, you well, you'd, you would know, apparently. Yeah. And they always like to point to P.K. Subban. Again, I have nothing against P.K. Subban. I've never met him. But I know people that have. I know former players that I've talked to. Without prompting, I've been there. Three different players at three different times on the Montreal Canadiens. All didn't like him. So he was a fucking douchebag. And what the public doesn't know. Again, I'm reporting the news. So go. I'm not going to give you their names so you don't have to go harass them on Twitter. And I don't have any axe to go. It's not like I'm doing this to tell a story. Making it up. I one guy, you're making it up. Well, I'm not making it up. That was what was told to me. Why would this person lie to me? There's no reason to. But have you noticed why he's... For apparently a Norris Trophy winner, and apparently, oh, it's in the public's eye, well, fuck, he's the top 5D man in the league. Why do you think he's been traded? What, three times? Twice for basically nothing. Well, I wonder. And then when he gets voted over, most overrated player by, the, by his peers in the NHL... In a private poll. Oh, oh it's because it's racist. Oh, no, it's because he's overrated. Yeah, but what would those playing against him know? No, to the public, he seems great. Oh, he does this, he does that. He's given to charity. I, yeah, just ask him. He'll tell, he'll tell you. He, like, I mean, he brings it up in every interview. That's my issue with Sue Ben. But whatever. Yeah, he has personality. And to me, it's, it, and most of the time, it's a detriment to the team. Or to his performance. You watch baseball or football or after every friggin' play, it's some sort of celly or whatever. It looks, it's moronic. When did all this start? It's just this look at me culture. Constantly. And I guess it's this generation of player that grew up around cell phones and video and everything's videotaped now or on phones now. So it's all, I gotta put on a show. Constantly. And I guess people want that to come to hockey. I'm sure at some point it probably will. But I think the game is just so, at, at the elite level, it is it is such a team game. And there's so many different parts that go into a winning team. That, that with those parts become different types of characters. And the, the locker room needs to be cohesive. And um, so yeah, there is so there's a lot of uniformity in that. So I guess that's where you get the cookie cutter in that respect. And I understand that. But again, the people commenting on that, have, it goes back to the hockey culture thing, have never been involved in it. So you're just looking at it from the outside, oh, entertain me. Because God knows if we don't have flashing lights every five seconds, we lose, the, we lose their attention. Do you know how you keep someone's attention? By making a compelling product. You want to know why hockey doesn't grow or the numbers, they're losing numbers? 
Now, you can say, oh, you're just bitter and whatever, and you don't watch anymore, blah, blah, blah. Well, it's uh, clearly it's a sentiment being shared by many, if you look at the numbers, because the game is emotionless. There's nothing happening. And I'm not saying that, oh, you have to dance around and act like the, the fucking goof, the sideshow goof, to get people to watch. No, you just have to put out a compelling product. Passion. Passion is what sells the game. It's not the personality. The personality, well, the personality will come out in the passion. You understand what I'm saying? What was the most talked about game last year? Calgary and Edmonton. Why? Casting into Chuck. Personalities. There's the personalities. That's what you sell. It wasn't because, oh, Matthew Tuchuka did it a fucking episode of Cribs. No. It was what happened in the game. It was the emotion of the game. Emotion sells. So this agent, oh, they can all go on. Oh, the NHL doesn't do a good job at selling itself and blah, blah, blah. Every time I turn on the TV, bloody uh, McKinnon and Crosby are going through the Tim Hortons drive through in a Zamboni. Oh, but they sound boring. When Crosby scored the, the the golden goal for Canada, it wasn't boring. I didn't really give a shit what he had in his Tim Hortons coffee. But it was compelling television to watch him play. Emotion sells hockey. Personalities. And the personalities, like I said, will come out in the emotion. But that's what's been lost. And that's what gets lost in this generation. Oh, I'm a massive hockey fan. Oh, that's great. But you, could t- you turn into a friggin' regular season game in March. Or in January. And you tell me how compelling that is. 3-1 love fest and the boards don't rattle once. That's why you're losing ratings. Tape trading. I'm, there, I'm, I'm done ranting and raving. 55 minutes of yelling at people. I'll, I'll bring it down. We're gonna... We'll, I, I guess that was the high note. Now we'll, we'll do a slow... We're gonna slowly hit the brakes until we get to the end here. We'll slowly uh, decrease speed. Here, hold on. I gotta grab this here. Um... Joe, in his last episode, like I said, was talking about um, the tape trading hobby. And, um, of course, that I've talked about before. Um, But he just, basically, what... um, The door is the hobby open for him and the people that he met. And it got me to think. And I, very similar, same, similar story to Joe. Um, The the footage has been great in the fact that... um, Remember what I was saying before with the analytics guys? Uh, it was their way into the game. I guess the footage was my way into the game, um, so to speak. Um, it was always, it, like I, I've told the stories numerous times, so I won't get too much into that, but it, it's always been fun to help an ex-player out. Um, like putting up his, that's putting up his fights on YouTube. Though again, that's why initially the YouTube page was started. Um, was I have all these DVDs, and it was to put... Like, if you go on there, I have BC footage, or Manitoba Junior A footage, to put that up. And yeah, it might be too far... Oh, who are those two? I don't know who they are. And one guy played for Chilliwack, and the other guy played for Vernon for a couple years. And like I said, now the one guy, you know, he sells used Toyotas in, in East Vancouver. But 30 years ago, the dude was the heavyweight champ of the BC League. And if I'm able to play an old fight of his when of course when he was 18 and had a mullet kicking ass and he was a in you know uh, cut twisted steel and sex appeal at 18 years old you know and he looks on it now at 50 you know with 50 extra pounds and he's bald with two kids and he tells them all oh, dad used to kick ass I'm oh, sure dad yeah okay 
while he has video confirmation of him doing that. That's always fun. And that story has happened to me a few times. Um, yeah, so... And over the course of time... I mean, it's sort of changed now, I guess, with YouTube and stuff, because there's so much stuff on YouTube that it's... But there's still... When a player... and Well, I said, now it's funny, you send the guy his DVD, and he's like, I don't even own a DVD player anymore. It's like, oh, God. I'm going to have to figure out how... I guess I'm going to have to figure out how to upload footage so they can open it on their computer now. Um, but, uh, you know what I'm saying. But, uh, I, anytime... If you could... I've sent guys... After I've done the interviews with them and stuff, I've sent... Well, like I said today, at the post I was sending Jeff Hodgers some DVDs of his career. Um... Again, you could probably go on YouTube and see most of it, but I think the fact that it's all in one DVD and you can just, you know, put it in a DVD player and hit play and kick back in a chair and watch it for two hours, um, you know, I'm sure it'll bring back some memories for him and, and that type of thing. And to be able to do that for a player has been a lot of fun. And there's been guys, I've, and I've helped uh, Chris, my friend Chris out in Vancouver. Um, you know, he put together DVDs for. Oh, uh, lots of the Giants guys. Uh, Matt Cassian, Milan Lucic, uh, Garrett Hunt. Uh, uh, trying to think. Of, uh, Tristan Grant. Um, uh, you know, well, lots of Ben Olsen. Lots of guys out in that area. Um, yeah, and and there was a couple of times I had to help them out, and it was it was really early ed, early uh, photoshopping. So I mean, and like I said, when we were going to do a, a DVD for a guy, we, we wanted to go with the whole nine yards, right? You put that much time into collecting the footage and editing it and putting it all together, go the extra step. Oh yeah, we had the case, we put cover art on it and a DVD, like the whole nine, right? It looked really good, and um, and I was, you know, for some of them, I was able to Photoshop. Nothing like what these some of these guys do with their shit that they can do, but I could enough to be passable to put on a DVD case anyway, uh, and uh, I'd help. That would be my little contribution to the project, and and, um, and but I've also made stuff for guys. Uh, Wade Belak, um, that was really cool. I can remember when I gave it to him. I, it was back. That was a VHS tape I gave him. Um, help with Dave, um, history hockey fights helped me with that one way back when. Um, and I know he ended up playing that tape at his rehearsal dinner at his wedding, I believe I was told. A, a few times over the course of the night, and all the guys were over in the corner having beers and watching it. Because again, this is, you know, like I said, oh, now I, I got my phone and I can hit YouTube and watch Wade fight by Lois and blah, blah, you know, whatever. Well, yeah, but this was in, like, you know, 1998 when you couldn't do that, or 2001, whenever it was. Um, before YouTube, we'll put it that way. So it was kind of new, you know rare stuff um Patrick Cote helped out on that um yeah they're big bad Patrick Cote almost had tears in his eyes holding the DVDs because he had nothing from his career and I remember tell, him telling my friend I you know no one you know people don't give me things they always want things and it was um yeah so it was cool and I know he really enjoyed them um Link Gates you know um, George LaRock helped George out. Brandon Sugden, Steve McIntyre. Um, yeah. So to be able to help those guys out and get them footage for them to enjoy it. Um, Josh Mazer, you know, sent him some stuff. Um, Rocky Thompson, Jeremy Thompson, on and on. And um, some of the junior guys over the years. That's been really fun to be able to help out the players. And uh, 
And like I said, and the guys I've met through the hobby, Joe being one of them. Um, well, like I said, Dave over the history of hockey fights. Steve went from when Probert was king. Um, like I was saying earlier with the with the tape trading, um, Ron, um, who I just hooked up with here again on Twitter. Um, we were following each other on Twitter, and I didn't know it was. Uh, and, but you're just oh, he was Boxcar, and I'm you know Southpaw, and we didn't know who each other was, so that was kind of funny. I just started talking to him today, um, privately about something, and uh, I said, "Well, yeah, I want to get you on the show and um, and talk about um, this very subject." And uh, yeah, lots of guys. Tony out in Vancouver. Well, Chris out in Vancouver. Uh, Chris and Regina. Hey man, get a hold of me. Seriously. I want to hear from you. Um, yeah, I've met all these people and it was through hockey fight tapes. So it's been crazy where the hobby's taken me. And um, well, here, I'm looking at my shelf here. I have a Hall of Fame pass from Larry Robinson because I got Larry Robinson some old Montreal Canadiens footage and I sent it down to uh, my friend Bob in Florida. Rest in peace, man. Miss Bob. But, because he used to work in the bank, and Larry, in Florida, and Larry Robinson and his wife used to come in there all the time. And uh, he was always shocked, that well, he was shocked the first time he came in, and Bob knew who he was. In Florida, here's a banker. But Bob was an old hockey guy from Michigan, he knew. So, he knew who Larry was. But yeah, I have a private past uh, for two guests at the Hockey Hall of Fame through Larry Robinson to have a private tour. And that was because I, I came up with a um, a videotape for him and sent it up to, uh, or sent it down to Bob to give to him. Um, although, like he said, Larry is probably so nice, probably would have given him the passes without giving him anything. But you know, nonetheless, so it was a cool. It's been it's been really uh, a, a lot of fun that hobby, and like I said, I've met great people, and it's like anything. Yeah, I've I've had some run-ins with some characters, and um, the the hobby. You know, it, I, I always say with the with the hobby, it also brings out a very. Um, um, remember, I was saying earlier about the metal antiquity show, antique antiquity show, that um, and myself, you sort of start riding that fringe element, the B side deep cuts. Um, with that, I think there's some certain eccentricities that come with it. Is that the right word I'm using? I mean, I'm trying to use my big words here, I'm trying to sound smart. I, I think in saying that, uh, you meet a lot of the... Uh, there's a lot of fringe people on in the hobby that were... They're a little out there. I mean, and I, I mean everyone's different in their own way, but these guys were really out there. And, um, yeah, so that, that's been... Inter- it's interesting, put it that way. Um, they're, I mean, they're harmless, but, I mean, you know, they're just different in their own way. But, uh, no, and it, it all came because of this hobby. So, um no, I was, thank you, Joe, for bringing up that topic. It was it was a lot of fun and listening to your your journey and um, yeah. And uh, like I said, I'm going to get Ron on here uh, in the new year and uh, yeah. So all you old timers from Fried Chicken and from the Hockey Fight message boards, you guys will really. I think you guys will get a real big kick out of that episode when it happens. <laughs> Everyone else might turn that off, but uh, but hey, like I said, it's my show. And it, uh, before wrapping up here, before I go, I want to talk about a guy 
Um, his name has come up. Like I said, it came up on uh, YouTube. <clears throat> Normad, Norman Baron. Is it Normad? I keep saying Normad. Nor- yeah, but Norm- it's not Norman because there's a D at the end. Normad. Normad Baron. A very unique story. And I, I want to, after, even after this, I'm going to look into him a lot more and do some re- research. But um, I can't remember what the video was at the time that I had put up on YouTube. And of course, like I said, many, all the world's idiots are in the comments section of YouTube. Um, but this guy had commented on YouTube about Normad Baron. And I was kind of, who? So I do a hockey DB and I'm kind of looking. I'm like, oh, okay. And I, you know, whatever. And I kind of did a brief kind of look up. I'm like, who is, who are you talking about? But he was like, oh, yeah, no, Ben Wilson was petrified of him. I'm like, what? <laughs> ben Wilson petrified. Well, like if you had said, like, I don't know, Nick Fatio or Bob Probert or something, you know, I wouldn't have agreed with you, but I would be it would be a little more plausible. But I'm like Normad Bear, who like who like like did, uh, why? Because he used to push him around on the playground like when they were six. Like that might have been the only time in Ben Wilson's life when he was intimidated. After that, it didn't happen. I'm like, so you're saying a guy who's in every in a many and a lot of people's top tens of all time, top fives even, was scared of Normad Baron. What? Well, no, there was this time that he chased them all over the ice, and ben- Wilson wouldn't go. I always loved that one. Yeah, because a guy wouldn't fight, oh, that time, he's scared of him. Okay, meanwhile, the guy has 200 other fights versus everyone in the world, but he didn't fight that guy, so oh, he's scared, clearly. Oh, yeah. It's like when Probert didn't fight Fatio in the American League. Oh, yeah, well, yeah, that's, uh, Nicky just even scared the young kid. Oh, okay. Yeah. 300 fights later, Probert's still scared of Nick Fatio, is he? Oh, yeah. It wouldn't be because maybe the coach told him not to fight him. Oh, no, that couldn't be it. No, 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 it's because he's scared. Yeah, seeing the guy who has the New York Ranger uh, picture in his avatar. Oh, well, clearly, yes, okay. Now, I've never bought into any of that ridiculousness. For one reason or another, there wasn't a fight. Injury was told not to, whatever. Fear was not is not why. Now, if it had been some guy that never fights and this Normad Baron wanted to fight him and he skated away, okay, I could see, oh, you know, whatever. Russ Cortnell was terrified of him. Okay, well, I could buy into that because Russ Cortnell doesn't fight. But Ben Wilson? No, come on now. But this is what this guy, and oh, he's telling me, you you don't know, Shell, you put off all these fights, but you don't know fuck all, blah, blah, blah. Well, okay, I guess so. I never claimed to know everything, but I know a few things. Ben Wilson being scared of Norman Barron isn't one of them. But anyway, this guy was dead set on it. Okay. Fast forward. The other day on Twitter, Norman Barron, someone puts up a, a what was it, like, a, a, a this day in Montreal history or whatever. So I just commented, I'm like, holy shit, I had a guy yelling at me on Twitter about this guy. And I don't know much about him. And this guy said, well, you should re- read this article. Holy shit. I'm like, okay. So I'm going to, I'll read it to you. Um, it was from 2014. This is from uh, a former cop and a strip club manager and Habs fan Bob Blackburn. Renounced the Montreal Canadiens for a unique reason. Because he was stabbed by a former player. I'm like, what? I'm like, okay. He came at me from behind. I turned to my left and grabbed the blade of the knife. He kept coming back three or four times, but I kept avoiding his swings, said Blackburn of Normad Barron's March 13th, 1987 attack 
I was restraining him, and he started kicking me and yelling. I didn't swing back, as I was concentrating on the knife still in his hand. Baron was irritated by the manager's refusal to allow him to party in the club, to party free, as he said. I'm going to party on the... I'm going to party on the arm. I don't know what that means. Okay. Anyway, Blackburn refused. Baron then showed him a $100 bill and said he had the money, but he was still refused entry. So Baron walked across the street to another bar he had worked at, fetched a knife, and returned alone and attempted to stab Blackburn in the back. Baron then took a busboy hostage, but was eventually cuffed and booked. He was apparently under the influence of drugs, namely cocaine at the time. Although Baron hadn't been with the Habs for a couple of years, then-team general manager Serge Savard reportedly helped him find legal counsel. Blackburn's left index finger was almost severed in the attack, and he was forced to miss several weeks of work, but the scar, the physical one anyway, has since disappeared. Months passed following the attack with no news of any punishment for Baron. He complained and later was told that there has been no follow-up because he hadn't appeared in court and yet and has never been subpoenaed to do so. Blackburn said that the prosecutor told him that the Habs GM Serge Savard had taken an active interest in the case, which might have been one reason why he didn't show up to court until he complained. Finally, about one year after the attack, Barron was ordered by a judge to keep keep the peace for two years and do 100 hours of community service. A light sentence that still irritates Blackburn. Jesus, yeah, you attack a guy with a knife in community service. That's a, And this dude's like an ex-cop, too. Fuck, you must have... You, you had heat with someone, dude, but... Uh, there, Normad Barron's rise to the NHL was one of a highly unlikely variety. He reportedly worked in the swimming pool maintenance and was a bar bouncer in 1983 when he contacted the Canadian's front office and pleaded for a tryout with the Habs because he claimed he could help by protecting Guy Lafleur. Chris Nyland was the reigning pugilist for the Canadians, but there was little muscle depth behind him in an era where all the teams apparently needed several guys who could scare the other team. Well, there you go, he scared Ben Wilson. <laughs> There was no doubt that the bodybuilding Baron had muscles. He had been crowned Mr. Quebec in bodybuilding contests and could reportedly bench press 600 pounds. Baron wasn't much of a star at any level of hockey and hadn't played for six years as he had been concentrating on his award-winning bodybuilding career, which saw him crowned Mr. Montreal numerous times. Baron agreed to lose 25 pounds and GM Serge Savard gave him a tryout with the team, with the team and signed him to a $30,000 a year deal with the team's American League franchise in Nova Scotia. Barron, surrounded by future NHL players, notched 22 points in 63 AHL games. Half goals on a squad that won the American League Championship. But Jesus, what a story though. You go from bodybuilding to all of a sudden you're putting up 22 points in a, and winning the friggin tro- uh, championship in the American Hockey League. He also, apparently, he also bested Dave Brown in a pair of fights and was declared by Serge Savard to be a better skater than Jeff Brubaker and former first-round pick Jimmy Mann. He eventually got called up to the Canadians where he played in four regular season games and three playoff games. But his off-fights existence was far less stable. One of his friends had attempted to single-handedly extort West End clubs, an idea that cocaine apparently sold on him. The Habs sent him back to the minors, and he was eventually traded to the St. Louis Blues the next season, where he played 22 games alongside half a dozen other former Canadians. His career ended soon after that, as he apparently suffered an off-ice injury. He has been out of hockey for a couple years when his attack on Blackburn with when he attacked Blackburn with a knife. After his days in hockey, Baron reportedly owned a gym in Verdun, worked as a postman, 
and an orderly at a St. Mary's hospital. Nowadays, Baron plays a Canadian's logo-style guitar in a band and has seemed to be around the team a lot. Baron performed and shared a song tribute to the team and posed with Jeff, Mol- po- bleh, posed with Jeff Molson at a hockey for the homeless event. And then it goes on to talk about the uh, fight club manager. Yeah, that year in Nova Scotia, looking at 68 games, 11 goals, 11 assists, 275 minutes of penalties. Four games, 12 minutes in the NHL. St. Louis, he played 23 games, scored two goals, and had 39 minutes. Then he played in a couple seasons in the I, or then he played uh, with the Flint and Peoria in the IHL. Well, I will say in the IHL, though, the one the last year in, in Peoria, at 17 games, he had four goals, four assists, 61 minutes. You know, I mean, and uh, six feet, two forty. Yeah, he's a big jack. Well, obviously, bodybuilder, he's a big jack dude. But what an interesting story. I'm gonna have to look more into that guy. And I, I'm, I, I don't know about the day. I don't want to say that that Dave Brown story is false. Um, you know, it very well could have happened. I'd love to see the footage. wonder if that's out there. But yeah, I know if you go on YouTube, there's a couple Baron fights on there. And I mean, from what I've seen, it's like, you know. But I mean, geez, imagine that. Been out of hockey, and like, never a star. It'd be one thing if, like, oh, he was awesome in junior and then had issues and then came back to the game. Okay. But when you didn't even really play junior, you're just kind of house league. And six years later, you're phone up an NHL team. Only in the 80s. Could you imagine that now? You know, but a body bodybuilder turned enforcer. Turned, I don't know, <laughs> nightclub stab guy. Yeah. Interesting. Well, if he's still around the team, there. hey, there's a guy I should try to get on the podcast. I'd like to talk to him. He sounds, it sounds like an interesting individual. Um, yeah. Normad Baron, there you go. See, return like I said, the B side, right? I like I said, I'm going to look further into that guy. If anybody has any knowledge of Normad, I, I know we've got a few Montreal fans out there or Blues fans as well. Anybody know this guy? Ever met him? What's going on? I want to know. Let me know. Well, there we go. I think that's about it, folks. Uh, yeah, uh, actually, I did have that written down. Yeah, the fact that there's even a discussion about whether Don Cherry knows what he's talking about speaks volumes about where we are as a society. Very true. I will leave. I will leave on that note. Well, there we go. There is, that wraps up another uh, episode here. Um, thank you very much for tuning in. Uh, you will want to tune in on Wednesday, as my guest will be Pete Vandermeer. Sat down with Pete. That interview has already been done. That was my last Friday on my day off. What I did. Uh, Pete was a great guest. Um, I know he's done the rounds on Spit and Chiglets. He was on Alex's show. He was on numerous shows. Um, so I, and I listened to all those and so I tried to tailor my interview to be different. Obviously we have to talk about his NHL, um, debut and stuff like that, but I really tried to focus. I tried to do a different interview. Um, we talked quite a bit about Red Deer, um, his time with the Columbus chill, um, and the different teammates that he had. And, uh, we get some, some interesting stories and Pete's a good storyteller. And I'd like to thank him again for coming on. And, um, it was a lot of fun and, uh, I look forward to bringing that to you guys. But uh, So that'll be on Wednesday. So please come back. And like I said, in the meantime, please check out the back catalog. Um, like I said, lots of interviews on there. Um, fourth Line Voice on YouTube. 2,200 videos. And uh, other than that, there we go. Another show. Alright guys, we'll talk to you on Wednesday. Have a good day. Thanks everybody.
And you people that don't like fighting, how many of you did you walk out and get a coffee while that was 